we've been talking about discipleship. We've been had this series for a very, this is one of our longest series ever. We just keep on going deeper and deeper. And we spent a lot of time talking about what a disciple is. We spent a lot of wonderful time. We've learned so many wonderful things. And I really want to kind of start to shift gears in talking about making disciples and what that actually looks like. You know, last week, Mike said something that, uh, that just really just, just rocked my world. And he said that uh, servanthood had a divine pattern. And I, and I found that very beautiful to think about. And when he weaved the whole parable of the, 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 parable of the talents in, into discipleship, it, I, I was just pondering this all week long. And, and, it, and God was speaking deep into my spirit about, you know, what are the things that I have hidden? What are the talents and the abilities and the things that he's given me to invest into the kingdom to please my king, what are those things that I've just been afraid to give him? And that's what I've been challenged with this week. What are the things in my life? Now, I've walked with God for over 50 years, nearly 60. And there, I was, I shouldn't say surprised, but I was surprised to find out that there was, there's, there's things in my heart that I'm still saying, yeah, I know you gave me this, but Someone else has a far greater anointing in that gift. Someone's more mature than I am in this gift. So I'm not gonna. I'm not. I'm. I'm just gonna. I'm gonna keep it over here. I'm gonna keep it in the shadows. And God challenged me to say, "You do not want to be like that servant that buried your talent. But you don't have to be afraid of me either." And that was a huge challenge for me. Matthew 28, 19-20 says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. As you go... Make disciples. As you go throughout your life, as you go throughout your day, as you go throughout your routine, as you go throughout everydayness, make disciples. Everywhere you go, every place that you happen to be, this is what this means. As you go, make disciples. But just maybe you're you're thinking like, Part of my brain is thinking this morning. And you're saying, make disciples? I am just trying to make a living. I'm just trying to make ends meet. I'm just trying to to make sense of the stuff that I'm walking through that I can't understand. Make disciples? I can't even make my bed every day. But make disciples? Is God serious? What else does he want from me? Those are some of the thoughts I had. God is serious about making disciples. 
And perhaps we have gotten so caught up with things that have nothing to do with making disciples that we've made it something so weird, so difficult, that we just don't want to be involved in it. I think God wants to change that for us. Because there's freedom in this that he wants us to have. And I'm just going to ask the Holy Spirit to help me convey that today if I can. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for this moment. Thank you for this opportunity that we have to listen to your word. So we pray that it is your voice, your heart, your mind, your spirit that comes forth clearly, distinctly. We ask that you would fill me with you so that you could speak your words of life to us. I pray that our ears would be open, our spirits be open, and everything be available to receive your word this morning so that we can walk out of this place different than how we walked in, freer, and more like your, like your son Jesus. And we're going to need the Holy Spirit's help to do that. So we, Holy Spirit, we invite you in right now to this moment. Thank you for being here with us. And thank you that you lead us to all truth. And we're going to give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. How do I make a disciple that looks like Jesus and not Jay? How do I make this, uh, uh, disciples? How do I go about my life as I go making disciples that look totally different from me? Because I don't want disciples that look like me. You don't want disciples that look like me. <laughs> and believe it or not, you don't want disciples that look like you. You're all wonderful. You're a great people. You have, you're the best hearts on this planet. But we need to make disciples that look like Jesus. Because he's the only one that can make the difference in people's lives. He uses us. He wants us to be involved. He wants us all embedded and, and, and entrenched in this disciple-making process. But, man, it is about making disciples that look like Jesus. And I was tell you right now, if that is the focus point of our lives, that there's freedom right in there. Because we know what Jesus looks like. You and I change too often. I change too often. My faith wavers too often. I don't need disciples out there walking out their faith like Jay. I need disciples out there ready to change the world because they look like Jesus. I want to change the world because I look like Jesus. That makes sense. I'm going to skip like three quarters of this. <laughs> That's okay. I'm going to talk about this next week too, so this is all good. Second Corinthians. Someone turn to Second Corinthians chapter five, verses seventeen to twenty. And when you get there, read it really, really, really. Really, really, really loudly. Sometimes we record this, and I say, somebody read that scripture, and all you hear is, <laughs> very hard to fix. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. To wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not 
not imputing their trespasses unto them, and has committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, that we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. For he has made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. The word, the Greek word for reconciliation is awesome. Hold that mic. Don't talk, Chris will record. <laughs> the Greek word means this. It's, it's, it's beautiful. It means I'm going to exchange coins with someone who doesn't have enough. I'm going to give them coins. I'm going to exchange their coins for what I have to give them so that they can achieve a place of favor. Okay, maybe that didn't excite you. Listen to me. (laughs) I'm going to give Dan some coins because he doesn't have enough to pay for what he needs. So I don't even really care about what he has in his hands, but I'm going to give him whatever he needs so that he can achieve a place of favor. Dan has nothing. He cannot possibly achieve a place of favor that he needs to get to. It is a place of need. He needs to get there. He has nothing to be able to give there. I'm going to give him whatever he needs so that he can get there. This is the picture of reconciliation. This is what God does for us. He says, you don't have enough. You just don't have it, but that's okay. I'm going to give whatever you need to get to that place of favor. And that favor is righteousness with God, forgiveness, salvation. Reconciliation is huge. And we have been given the ministry and the message of reconciliation. We've been given that because we've already been reconciled to God. God has already paid that price for us. He doesn't care what we have in our pockets. Whatever loose change we might have to try to, to, try to get our way to the place of favor. God has going to already done that for us. Now, we've been given that same ministry. Okay, you're not excited yet. Maybe it's just too hot in here. It is hot. Do you realize what you've been given? You've been, yeah. Your pockets are full right now with the same power that God has exhibited it towards us. So we are now ambassadors, representatives of God. Which means that when we go someplace in order to make disciples, they see Jesus. You get it? (laughs) We have made disciple making only about making converts. And yes, there has to be a conversion in order for someone to become a disciple. We've talked a lot about this already. 
But he didn't tell us to go into all the world and make converts. He told us to go into all the world and make disciples. But he's already equipped us with the coins that we need to do it. We have been given the ministry. That word means service as waiting tables, as someone waiting tables, providing a service. We've been given this ministry and this message of reconciliation so that we can go up to the people and say, it's okay that you don't have enough to get this place of favor. God has already provided what you need. Just come. Just come. The word implores, as we implore you on the behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. Bye, Lance. We love you. We implore you. That word means to call near. It means to invite someone into this. We're talking about evangelism. But evangelism isn't making converts either. The word actually means to share the good news. It means we're inviting people into reconciliation. The Holy Spirit will do the conviction, the converting. I think sometimes we have placed this wrong perception is that if we don't close the deal, we have failed at evangelism. We only fail in evangelism if we just, we don't go. See, the first two words of the gospel are, are what? Go. Go. As you go, make disciples, baptizing them. The word baptize means to, the Greek word means to immerse, to dip repeatedly, to get fully wet. It is a word that was um, used in the dye trade of the ancient world. They would take cloths and dye them in vats of dye, and they would dip them repeatedly. So when you put in one cloth, it would come out red or blue or whatever the color was. It had a new identity when it came out of the dye. That is what baptism is all about. We regain a new identity when we've been immersed in Christ. So could it be that when, and you know, baptism is really the baptism, the number of baptisms should be counted more than the number of converts in a church, I believe, to really tell, talk about growth. Because that signifies a person willing to become a disciple. But if we're going to think about baptism, going in the world to baptize, could it be as simply as this? That we, as we go through our lives, through our routines, through, the, through school, wherever we happen to be, that we repeatedly immerse people in Jesus. That we baptize them in the presence of God by the way that we're living out our faith. 
This is why I usually, you hear me pray at the end of the at, at the service, like I said, you know, let's just go drip Jesus wherever we go. The concept is that, that we be, have become saturated with Christ himself, that he has reconciled us to God, that we are so wet with Jesus that we cannot help but get other people wet with our faith. Because we are baptizing them into the presence of God. Yes, there is a physical baptism that needs to take place. But there's also this spiritual, I believe, that as we go through our life, that we're so sopping wet with Jesus that we are just getting other people wet with the presence of God. So much so that they're invited into this wonderful ministry and message of reconciliation. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? Does that begin to take a little bit of this pressure off? Because I think we're worried about, you know, well, if I I got to share Jesus today, or, or you know, I got to make sure that they they make a commitment to Christ. And, and I'm not saying that all those things are not good, but I'm saying we make it so much about that that it becomes more of a numbers thing than a heart thing. It becomes more, more about numbers. Someone go to Acts chapter 1 verse 8 for me. Thank you. Acts 1 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Sounds good, doesn't it? We become ambassadors. We become witnesses. Everybody signing up for that? You know what that word witness means? It means martyr. It means a permanent record of who Jesus is. The permanent record is something after you have died. But you still want to be witnesses and ambassadors? Yes. Of course you do. Jesus is asking something really significantly hard here. But what did that scripture say? That you would receive what? Dumas. Power. Miracle working power. Miracle working power. Not just a lot of strength, not just a, a lot of energy, miracle working power to be his witnesses, to be the martyrs that he's asked us to be. Someone turn to, really quick to Acts 8, chapter 4, and wait for me when you get there. Chapter 8, verse 4, I'm sorry. Acts chapter 7, we read about one of the disciples who gets martyred, right? Who was that disciple? Come on. Stephen. Okay. All the rest of the followers, there's probably about 5,000 followers at this point in the, in the early church. And because of the persecution, they're, they're, they're starting to be scattered 
to hear about Stephen's death. It says in the beginning of chapter 8 that they were mourning and lamenting his death. And then... Therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. They didn't rebel against the government. They didn't rebel against the Jewish authorities. They went and did the same thing that got Stephen killed. You will be my witnesses. My martyrs. After you have received power. 1 John 5.3 says this. For this is the love of God that we keep His commandments. And His commandments are not burdensome. That word means heavy with weight. If His commands are not burdensome, they're not heavy with weight, and we have received power to be His witnesses, do we have any excuses left? So what I'm suggesting is that making disciples, evangelism, even discipleship, outreach, is not about programs. It's not about a class on evangelism. It's not reading all the latest books on evangelism, although those are all helpful things. I'm not, I'm not saying they're not important. But can, can we just say that it's about love? Because we love Him, we obey Him. See, Stephen gave up his life because he loved Jesus. The disciples of the early church, were, eight, were they were scattered, but they were willing to, to, to put their lives on the line by preaching the gospel. Sometimes I just think we're just too American. I love being an American. I do. But we have no idea what it's really like to be a martyr. We just don't. But I think there are things that we could die to that could set us free so that we could be the witnesses that he wants us to be, so that we can be the ministers of reconciliation, so that we can speak the message of reconciliation with love that it actually makes a difference in the worlds that we have been sent out to. You guys are awesome people. You disciple people. You disciple people in your home. You have friends you disciple. We have a men's group where we disciple each other. I think God is calling us and challenging us to take what we have and go out there even more. I'm not saying we don't. We do. But I'm just saying that the call is for us to go with more boldness, more audaciousness, oh, audacity, oh, audacity, with that hunger, with that fire, with that zeal, because we love Him. It's about love. If we make it about the programs, the program can be really effective, but it's going to run out of steam. 
We could read all the latest books and implement all kinds of techniques to how to make disciples. And it's going to run out of steam. But if we continually fall in love with God, we will never lose any steam. It's about love. Disciple making is all about love. And if we start there, if we start there, we can start to build on some practical things. And that's what next week is all about. Talk about some practical things. What could we do more than what we're doing now? We'll do do some practical teaching next week about how that looks, what that could look like. But we need to start with a base of love. And realize that it's love that fuels any program. It's love that might fuel any teaching. Because that's what's going to make a difference in this, in, in this world that we face. So I do have homework for you tomorrow, uh, t- this week. Yep. Where, what's up? John eight thirty one says, So he said to the Jews who had believed him, If you continue in my word, you are truly my disciples. So I want you to add this prayer to your prayer time next week. I want you to pray this every prayer, every day. I want you to pray this prayer every day. And I want you to have, I want you to have your, word, your Bible with you, and I want you to have something to write on. Journal, notebook, napkin, your tie, whatever it is. Whatever it is that you have at your disposal, I want you, I want you to have this with you when you pray this prayer, if you, if you accept this challenge from me. I will be praying this as well. Will you ask God to prepare your heart to go? Will you ask God to prepare your heart to go? A kind of, here I am, Lord, send me type of prayer. And let God fill in the blanks. And then come and share that with us next week. If God says anything, I believe if you pray that every day, more than once a day if you could, God's going to say something uniquely specific to you about that. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands that we do that, but I mean, you know, I'm asking it because I really believe that's what God wants us to do in order to challenge us even further. Look, you guys are great. You guys get involved in so many things that we promote and and, and, uh, and suggest as a church to do. Um, this is by no means suggesting that we're not in an involved church, but I don't want to ever become complacent. I think that is the challenge of the, of the parable of the talents. We don't ever want to bury anything. We don't even want to attempt to bury something. We want to invest everything. And we make this investment, we give this of ourselves with no expectation of return. We know God will return blessing to us. But this is the kind of investment I'm talking about, that we invest everything. We love God with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind, all our strength. Everything that makes us. We're going to invest in this kingdom. As individuals and as a body of believers. That, that sound good?